Welcome to Nakubo in Brief, a podcast series from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is to help our listeners better understand the challenges that face the business of higher education. Our hope is that you walk away with a stronger sense of the trends, policies, legislative, and regulatory issues that may impact campuses today and in the future. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of educational tools at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nakubo in Brief. My name is Megan Strand, your host for today. Thanks so much for being here with us. I'm excited to be joined once again by seasoned Nakubo in Brief guest, Ken Redd, who is the Director of Research and Policy Analysis for Nakubo, to talk about endowments. Welcome back, Ken. Well, Megan, it's a great to join you again. I always appreciate talking with you and with our uh, podcast uh, listeners. Uh, it's always a good uh, good time. Excellent. Well, I know we have a lot to cover today, so let's just jump right in. So start out by talking to us about, just get let's level set everyone, what is a college endowment and how do they work? Endowments are long-term funds that support various aspects of university mission. So you could have an endowment that supports financial aid, that supports research, community service, patient care for schools that have hospitals, and other aspects of uh, universities. Um, Endowments are usually funded by restricted gifts from donors. So, Megan, uh, to use you as an example, let's say uh, today you found that uh, you got a uh, an inheritance of five million dollars, and you're nice. like, "Wow, this is great! I'm 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 wealthy and everything like that." And you decide, uh, you know, rather than just spending all the five million dollars, you and you're going to give a million dollars to your alma mater, and you can do that uh, obviously with a a, a one time gift that the school could use today, or you can. Uh, ask the school to put it into into an endowed fund. And most people would do that because they would like to see their gift last, not just for today, but into the future. And that's what happens with a lot of endowments. Uh, They're usually gifts from uh, alumni or other donors to a university. Endowed funds can range in size from $10,000 to over a million dollars. Most of the time, they're used to fund uh, financial aid, uh, grant programs for undergraduates, for uh, faculty research, uh, better known as endowed chairs. And those gifts are designed to last into perpetuity, which means forever. Um, Endowment managers, the people who would take your gift and invest it, they're guided by a principle called generational equity. And by generational equity, what that means is that they use the, any income generated from the endowed gifts, or your, your million-dollar donation, uh, to support today's students, but they also seek to generate growth through the investments. So over the years, that while, while they're using the income to support today's students, they're also generating growth that'll make the fund last forever and be there to support the next generation of students. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. That's that's the philosophy around endowments. Well put, the gift that keeps on giving. We talk about endowments. So when I, uh, our viewers, they look at a school and they see the school has a billion-dollar endowment or a $2 billion endowment. Uh, and actually, that's a bit of a misnomer. What endowments really are are the collection of all these gifts. So your donation and many other donations combined together is an endowed fund. So that endowed fund could have 
hundreds or thousands of individual endowed gifts within it, each of them supporting a different aspect of the university's mission, as I said, anything from financial aid to community service to research. Uh, all those gifts and endowments together combined create what we call one uh, larger endowed uh, school or endowed fund. Is this just for large, well-known institutions? Are elite colleges the only organizations that really rely on endowments? All types of schools, large and small, have endowments. Nakubo's annual survey, which we will talk about in a moment, mm -hmm. uh, covers schools with both large and small uh, total endowed assets. Uh, there are more, more than 800 universities that participate in our study. The median endowment among those institutions is about $115 million, which means of those 800 schools, about 400 have endowments of $115 million or less. So while Harvard, Yale, Stanford, those are the, sort of the big name schools that are more well known for endowments. Those those large endowments are actually atypical. The typical endowment is, as I said, $100 million or less. So we have a lot of small religious schools in our study. We have uh, large research universities in our study as well. So we run the gamut. Can you talk a little bit about which campus programs benefit from endowments? Absolutely. Uh, so I mentioned that endowments run the gamut in terms of what they support, but the two most common uses of endowed funds are financial aid and research, or better known as endowed shares. Uh, according to the uh, Voluntary Support of Education, or the VSE, about 40% of endowed gifts in 2015 went to support financial aid programs, and 18% went to faculty research, uh, which is a better way, another way of saying endowed chairs. So roughly 58% of endowment uh, gifts in 2015 went to support those two campus operations, and the remainder went to everything uh, from community service to uh, patient care to community service and other aspects of university mission. But the two most common, as I said, are going to be financial aid first and uh, uh, faculty research uh, or endowed chairs being second. So student aid is obviously a priority because schools are continually working to improve access and affordability. So are endowments the only source of funding that colleges and universities draw from to provide that financial aid? Yeah, it's important to note that endowments are but one of many sources for financial aid for college students. Uh, to take one example, private college, colleges and universities by themselves provide more than $29 billion in financial aid to undergraduates, so quite a large amount of money. But only 11% of that comes from endowments, according to uh, the, uh, some other research that we've done at Nakubo. So 11% of that $29 billion is coming from endowments. So the vast majority of it is coming from someplace else. The rest of that difference uh, comes primarily from uh, alumni donations to schools. So uh, it, 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 imagine uh, you get a call from your alumni office and they ask for a, a one-time, rather than an endowed gift, they ask for a one-time gift to support financial aid. That is used to fund uh, schools' financial aid programs. It comes from tuition and fee revenue, so the tuition that you pay this year is used to fund your education, but also sometimes it's helped fund scholarships for a portion of that comes to help scholars, fund scholarships for students. And then uh, schools often use sales from their bookstores or other activities to help fund financial aid uh, programs. So uh, a wide variety of resources are used to fund 
uh, 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 scholarships and including endowments. For private colleges, uh, as I mentioned, about 11% of funding for financial aid comes from their endowments. 43% or roughly uh, uh, schools use roughly 43% of their uh, their tuition revenue to fund a financial aid programs. So the, the bulk of that $29 billion actually comes from tuition and fees. But that is used to provide scholarships for 70% of undergraduates at private schools. So almost or more than three quarters of the undergraduates at private universities get some sort of uh, of a uh, uh, of a scholarship and as i said some of that is funded by endowments but the vast majority of that is going to be funded by gifts from alumni as well as uh, uh, tuition and fees okay so let's talk a little bit about the the study why start out by telling us why nakubo even studies endowments the study we're going to talk about is called the nakubo common fund study of endowments and it's a cooperative study between uh, Nakubo and Common Fund Institute, which is an investment advisory firm in uh, Connecticut. And we've been doing uh, that study for quite a while. Uh, in fact, uh, Nakubo, through various partners, we've done an annual survey of endowments every year since 1974. Wow. Yeah, so we have a long, long history of looking at uh, issues surrounding endowments. Uh, and because of that history, our study has become a key source of data for campus business and investment offices, for policymakers, and for the general public to gain uh, insight on how campuses uh, administer their endowed funds. Um, our study now was the largest of its kind in North America. This year, we had uh, 805 universities participate in our study uh, in the U.S., and another 20 or so Canadian schools participated in our study as well. And from that, we know that endowments are a, a key source of revenue for institutions. Uh, in 2016, the study we're talking about today, uh, we found that endowment uh, income accounts for 9% of institutions' operating budgets on average. So it's a uh, a pretty key source of revenue from that regard. Um, but more importantly, uh, uh, we believe that uh, our study really provides very uh, uh, important indicators of how institutions are using their uh, endowed funds to fund those various aspects of their mission that we talked about, the teaching, financial aid, research, public service, all, all the major operations on campus are funded to some degree by endowment assets. So uh, we think having a bit greater understanding of those funding resources is 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 a, a key component to knowing uh, what's going on in college universities uh, writ large. Um, so it, it, it's a pretty big part of, of what we do in Nakubo, uh, both in research and in our public affairs efforts. How did endowments do in fiscal year 2016? Well, Megan, uh, you may remember last year at our conversation, I talked about how low the endowment returns were. Last year, we uh, had a return of positive 2.4%, and that that was not a good year. Uh, unfortunately, 2016 was even lower than that. Uh, this year, we had a return of just of just negative 1.9%. Wow. And this, yeah, this covers uh, our fiscal year covers uh, July 1, 2015 to June 30, 2016. So during that time period, the average endowment returned negative 1.9%. So it was a very, very difficult year, tough investment environment. Uh, those negative returns affected schools of all in, endowment sizes. So our the big research universities, which tend to have the largest endowments, uh, 
they had a return of negative 1.9%. The schools in the middle, $500 million to $1 billion, lost about a 2.2% return. The best, if you will, quote-unquote, performing schools were schools that had endowment assets of below $25 million. They lost 1%. So the headline number, as I said, is a negative 1.9% return. That's the return that the general public and Congress and other people will pay attention to. But our endowment asset managers, while they, they look at the one-year return, they're more focused on that long-term return. I mentioned before at the beginning of the podcast here that endowment managers strive to achieve generational equity. And in, to, in order to, to achieve that generational equity, they want a, a return of somewhere between 7 8% long term. So mm -hmm. one, one year may be negative, but if the other nine years or eight, or eight years are positive, then they, they think they've, they've done a good job. But that hasn't really happened uh, this time period. Four of the last 10 years have been negative returns for endowments. So the, the, so the, the negative return environment uh, is not just a one-year phenomenon. It's, a, it's been a long-term uh, thesis of our study. And over the last uh, 10 years, uh, while the goal for endowments is to achieve somewhere between a 7 to 8% return, uh, on average, they received a return of only 5%. So uh, far below what is needed to uh, achieve generational equity. And so that has some very broad implications for uh, schools, which we'll talk about in a moment. The largest endowments over the last 10 years had a return of 5.7%, uh, again, far below their targeted rate of 7 to 8%. And the smallest endowments had a return of about 5%, so relatively equal. So there really wasn't uh, a huge difference between this large and small endowments as far as uh, of long-term rates of return. Uh, the vast majority of schools, in other words, uh, did not achieve that 7 to 8% target return, which, which means that they really didn't, uh, over the last decade, really didn't uh, meet that, uh, that generational uh, equity goal that they have. So with investment returns falling in 2016, did you find that those negative returns affect spending from endowments for financial aid and the, the other items you talked about earlier? One of the things about uh, about endowments over the last 10 years, over the last year, is that endowment managers realize how important the funds that they have are. And so rather than reducing spending, most schools actually increase their spending from endowments and increase them pretty dramatically. Um, so we compared spending dollars from endowments to support financial aid and other programs over the last uh, year, and we found that 74% uh, of all schools increased their spending dollars from their endowments and that the a median increase in spending was 8.1%. So in other words, most endowments increased their spending despite lower returns, and the, the amount of increase was around 8%, which is pretty dramatic. Um, among the largest endowments, 82% increased their spending, and the amount of spending that they increased was, a, was just under 8%. So both large and small endowments, in other words, have been increasing their spending, uh, and they increased it pretty dramatically despite uh, lower returns. You're saying that not only this past year, but just over time, colleges and universities are spending more. The trend is that they're spending more from their endowments. Uh, that's exactly right. In fact, uh, as I mentioned, uh, because we've studied endowments for a, a number of years, we're able to do a nice little trend line. Um, and we know from that that, in fact, schools have been spending more from their endowments 
since the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Uh, in fact, it, it, uh, despite the fact that that the returns have been generally lower over the last uh, uh, time period since then, um, from a fiscal year 20, 2009 to 2015, that the average amount that schools spent from their endowments to support financial aid and other programs grew from about $16.5 million to over $20 million. So, uh, and again, keep in mind that, that as I said, for most of that uh, time period, endowment returns were lower. So schools increased their endowment spending by just under $5 million on average over the last six or seven years. And uh, we expect that for this year, 2016, the endowments will once again spend much more than $20 million on average to support financial aid and other programs, again, in spite of lower returns. So spending has been up fairly dramatically, not just this year, but over the last six or seven years. And that's in spite of the fact that returns have been lower. Well, that sounds like a game that you can't play forever. So talk to us about what impact the lower returns are going to have on endowments and camp- just finances in general in the future. Yeah, you're, what you said is exactly right. Uh, you can't, the math doesn't work. You can't spend more and more forever from funds that are returning uh, less and less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that is the conundrum that institutions are in right now. Um, if it continues, obviously, in the future, at some point, that means spending will have to be cut. So, so while the current generation un- undoubtedly is is benefiting from the higher spending dollars that en- endowments are, have generated. Uh, in the long run, it does threaten the ability of institutions to fund uh, programs in the future. So the next generation of students may not have nearly as much in endowed funds to rely on as this current generation has. But also in terms of uh, uh, the way endowments are invested, um, in a lower return environment where you're spending more and more, um, the the one thing that I would worry about, institutions might have to take additional risks um, in their investment assets uh, in order to generate Returns. Uh, you may see institutions, rather than investing in traditional stocks and bonds, more and more of them may be invested in hedge funds and other things which are much more risky and much less um, uh, liquid in terms of uh, their ability to be sold on a open market. Um, so both of those are issues that I personally, and I'm sure other people who would manage endowments, are paying a lot of attention to and are a little bit nervous about. Well, speaking of nervous about, I I don't know if this is the right question, but what would you say is the most important concern for endowments and endowment managers that you found from the study during the coming year? Three things that uh, I worry about. One of them is is uncertainty and uh, continued market volatility. Uh, We obviously just had a presidential election and by the time uh, most people hear this podcast, we will have had uh, inaugurated a new president. And mm-hmm. that new president, uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, is very uh, unconventional, uh, to say uh, the least. Whether you agree with his policies or not, the one thing that he uh, does bring is this level of uncertainty. Um, what are going to be his tax policies? What, is, what economic changes are, are he and his administration going to bring? We do know that thus far in the current fiscal year, fiscal 17, that uh, the markets are generally up. But how long will that last? I mean, that's an open question. Uh, 
questions of tax policy, what direction will those the policies take, how will that affect the economy, all those are levels of uncertainty that I, I, I'm, I'm certain, not just endowment, but all of us are sort of nervous about because you just you just don't know. I mean, you know, that, uh, many of the Trump administrators, in fact, uh, President Trump himself, have never run an, an economy at, at, at any level. Uh, um, so it, it will be an open question as to whether or not policies or what policies he'll, he'll bring and what effect they will have on the markets, which will in, in turn affect endowment returns. Second, um, and and I will credit uh, an earlier podcast that uh, that Nakubo had with my colleague Megan Snyder, and Megan talked about some issues affecting uh, tax and and mandatory spending from endowments. Uh, there's been an increase uh, in uh, the number of calls and proposals, uh, uh, potential proposals from Congress to require endowments to spend even more, despite the fact that that spending has been up pretty significantly, as we talked about. Um, there have been several calls from members of Congress for schools to spend even more above what they um, are already spending. And again, that uh, if, if those were to happen, that would uh, again call into question the ability of institutions to generate more dollars from endowments while trying to preserve that generational equity. And the third thing that I, the other two things are things that we've talked about uh, at Nakubo, um, but I'm going to take the liberty of having a, a, a third personal concern that I have, and that is um, I, I get the sense when I talk to endowment managers and I do the research that we do here at Nakubo that there is this increasing reluctance or unwillingness for the current generation of of students and other people on campus to to sacrifice resources for the future. Uh, in other words, I think th we're witnessing sort of a breakdown in the whole philosophy around integrational equity. Um, intergenerational, intergenerational equity is basically a compact that says I'm going to give up some of my money today so that the people of tomorrow will have a better future. I think the evidence is showing that that philosophy, that compact is sort of breaking down where uh, the people of the day are basically saying, you know, spend more from your endowments to support this generation of students and we'll worry about the next generation of students later. If that were to continue, it would it would fundamentally change why we have endowments. In fact, it, it would it would really negate the the need for endowments in a lot of ways because endowments really are a promise to this generation to support the next generation. Um, but I I personally feel that there's an increasing reluctance of this current generation to make that sacrifice and keep that compact. So you are seeing more and more calls not just from members of Congress, but from students and, and others that, you know, spend more from your endowment and spend more and more and more. But the more you do that, as I said, the, the, the more likely that your endowment at some point is going to run out of money. And, and that's going to mean that the next generation of students won't have that resource. So I, I, I think the data are very troubling to me in that regard. Um, um, I do think, uh, the more this happens, the, the, the more likely that it will be that uh, there may not be adequate endowment assets uh, or endowment dollars available for that next generation of students. So I, I, I personally am a little bit uh, troubled by that. Anything else you'd like to add about the study today, Ken? Uh, two things. One, I know uh, many people view, viewing this podcast are anxious to get their 
copies on the of the study. So uh, uh, we'll have information posted about how to uh, access the study at our website, which is nakubo.org. If you go to www.nakubo.org and uh, you look under the tab for research, uh, the first option will be the Nakubo Common Fund Study of Endowments. Click on there and we'll have information on how uh, institutions and others can access the study. Uh, we also have a magazine article. Again, if you go to nakubo.org and look under Business Officer Magazine in the March uh, 2017 issue, the, the cover story will be a, a summary of our endowment study, and that uh, cover story is going to be is, is is authored by uh, my colleague uh, Lindsay Waite, uh, who is our di assistant director for research and policy analysis. Um, she's done a very nice job of summarizing uh, the data, and and she has a, a couple of interviews with investment managers and 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 schools that give a, a firsthand account of the impact of the. Uh, lower returns and higher spending on uh, on endowments. So uh, uh, those are the two. And the uh, magazine article, as I said, is also online. Um, so uh, uh, and obviously, folks can contact us at Nakubo for additional information of our uh, not just our endowment uh, study, but all of our research uh, projects. Well, thanks so much, Ken, for joining me today yet again to talk about the study and about endowments. Really great information. Well, Megan, again, thank you so much. I appreciate uh, having a chance to chat with you and with our, uh, our Nakubo and Brief audience. And as always, you can find out more about Ken and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you also subscribe to Nakubo in Brief in iTunes so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Ken and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Nakubo in Brief. Nakubo in Brief.